The Recruiting Blitz podcast powered by the UC Report is back for episode nine and big happenings for this episode. We are going to unveil the first ever ESPN High School Football All Showcase team and have a special guest to help us through that. We are also going to preview the ESPN Junior 300 release, which is coming out on the 11th. But we're going to give you a little bit of a sneak peek with one of the new five stars joining us. And then, as always, Wade Jirasi will be here with the Commitment Roundup. Well, they say time flies when you're having fun, and there's, I guess, not very many things more fun than watching and talking football, so that would explain how uh, the high school football season and the ESPN high school football showcase just absolutely flew by. Uh, it seems like yesterday I was getting on a plane to go to South Florida for uh, kickoff weekend. And uh, now we've already wrapped up uh, the high school season, uh, the regular season on ESPN this past week in Oklahoma with a, a tremendous way with Jenks uh, upsetting Bigsby uh, in front of an electric crowd there at Bigsby. So, with the season wrapped up, you know, I've been very fortunate way to have done this uh, showcase for several years now. And after every game, we usually talk about top performers and tweet about it. But I thought it'd be kind of neat this year to actually put together a Geico ESPN High School Football Showcase, uh, all showcase team. Yep. Uh, so I have done just that. I will say, uh, as with most things in life, there's an asterisk. There is an asterisk with this as well. I'm calling it the all showcase team, but I did include the two teams that I saw during kickoff weekend. So, uh, I'm, you know, they have different titles, but I'm, I'm putting them all in one. And again, this only includes teams that we saw, that I saw on air. So obviously uh, we did all but one showcase game and there were like six other games. Okay, so there were some players I had not seen. So those, those were disqualified because uh, it only can really truly judge those that I put eyes on. All right, the ground rules are set. All right, yes, we yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> It's like a board game. You got to get the rules out of the way first before you can get going. So uh, put together a team. Uh, one of the uh, one of the things that also kind of helped the season fly by and having fun was uh, my partner in the booth, our first year working together. And uh, uh, it was not nearly as torturous as I thought it would be. Uh, so <laughs> I have uh, figured what better person to have uh, join us this week as he is, was there with me and calling the games and taking part with a great uh, kind of feel for all these players as well. And I'm talking about uh, Connor Onion, uh, the great play-by-play joins us now. How are you doing, Connor? Greg, you're a lot nicer to me now that the season's over. Yes, yes. <laughs> now that I know I got a little gap where I got to see you again, I could uh, <laughs> I could be nice. And uh, there is still more to come for uh, Connor and myself. So looking forward to getting back in the booth. But, um, you know, your first year on the high school football showcase, I guess, you know, in a big picture, kind of what were your were your takeaways? I know you called some high school football. You're from Illinois. Uh, you know, what were your kind of your takeaways on a more national level of watching high school football? Yeah, it was I, I've told you this before. I think we were sitting at lunch or breakfast, whatever you call our um, pregame binge of pancakes. <laughs> uh, we, we're, we were sitting in Chandler the other day and I told you I've I've been fortunate enough to do a lot of cool assignments uh, over several different sports, baseball, football, basketball, even some water polo. That's probably the most random thing I've done. But um, this has been by far the most fun I've had on any assignment ever. Um, some of that is working with you. I know we were we were trading jabs there when I first got on. But 
um it yeah i mean working with you and your your passion and your knowledge for this subject has helped it fly by um and then seeing all the talent that we've seen and going to all the cool places vegas florida seeing brady's high school and seeing de la salle i think it's um i didn't have a ton of expectations coming in but whatever those expectations were it it exceeded that by 10 20 30 by a ton so yeah it's been it's been amazing yeah so i mean it's it is we always talk about we're seeing a future of college football uh and history has kind of shown that with many of the players that are are shining in college football now like bryce young when he was on at modern day against st john's college just for one example uh, and to get to travel around the country and see how everybody embraces high school football, but uh, in their different ways. And before we get started, obviously, you know, a shout out to a lot of people behind the scenes at ESPN uh, who do, do a lot to make this happen. Uh, and then uh, also a shout out to Paragon as well, setting up these matchups. I went through Connor and just so, you know, quarterbacks, a high profile position. I looked at some of the quarterbacks we had on air this year, uh, you know, Wade, you know, these guys familiar. So in a 23 class, we had a, uh, Dylan Lonergan, um, Eli Holstein committed to Alabama. Ricky Collins going to LSU. Those two played each other versus Baton Rouge. Uh, Malachi Nelson, number one overall player in the country on kickoff weekend. Blake Murphy, American Heritage, committed to Louisiana Monroe. So even, you know, some really talented G5 quarterbacks. In a 24 class, we had DeMond Williams uh, out of Basha. Dylan Riola, the number one ranked quarterback, uh, number one ranked overall player in the 2024 class. Uh, Maui Smith. Uh, goes to Sarah, which you had mentioned, Connor. Uh, Jaden Bradford at IMG, Mike Hawkins at Allen High School, Samaje Jones at St. Joseph's, and uh, Michael Van Buren. So, I mean, we saw a really impressive group of just quarterbacks alone. Yeah, we we really did. Um, and I, I think it's funny that um, it, it felt like the quarterback showings got stronger as the year went on as far as how they actually played. Um, our, our week zero matchup, we get, we had Malachi Nelson. I know we've talked about that before. He didn't have much help on the offensive line, but, um, I feel like the, the climax of the quarterbacks we got to see was Jackson Arnold, which was what our second to last game, uh, yeah. went for 300 yards and, um, it definitely lived up to the, the hype that we had in our ax player spotlight. Um, I don't know if that's that's a conflicting sponsor with your podcast, but no, no. Uh, <laughs> we that are, in there. we're so Paragon. looking for sponsors and we are immediately sending a bill to Axe for the free plug. <laughs> and I'm good. I'm glad, to see, I'm glad to see you're still sharp on your reads. Uh, <laughs> producers would be happy. Um, well, I think it's the uh, perfect time to kind of get going and, and dig into this. Uh, uh, drum roll, please, Danny. So the initial uh, Geico ESPN high school football showcase team uh, unveiling will begin now. And I think the, the best play, we, you know, I talked about the long list of impressive quarterbacks that we saw. One that I didn't mention that you did mention, Connor, uh, was Jackson Arnold. And even with that impressive list of quarterbacks, actually, it wasn't hard to land on one. That's how impressive of a performance that Jackson Arnold had for Geyer taking on Allen. Uh, a power program, but Geyer is one of these teams is really kind of built to win this year. A lot of, a lot of players on it and the job that Jackson Arnold did in that game. So he was 25 of 28 for 334 yards, four touchdowns plus 78 yards on the game, 58 of which came on one TD run where he kind of turned on the jets there. I mean, it was 
a really impressive performance from kind of start to finish in a way that kind of he played. Usually we roll into town, you got the high profile players. Uh, he had just been moved to a five-star the week before, Yeah, you know, and then we, we walk in there. If there was any doubt about it, Connor, he certainly proved that he was worthy of it. Yeah. I joked with you before that game. It was convenient that both him and Peyton Bowen were five stars just ahead of uh, our, our game that we put him on TV. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, hey, that's but we, not on us. Yes.com sends us the schedule. Let's do what they tell us to do. <laughs> I, I know, but but it was it was well timed. I, I don't know about you, Craig. I was super impressed with the conversations we had with both Jackson Arnold um and Peyton Bowen. Really the entire practice that we were at Guy or all the guys that we talked to, the Bowen brothers, Ryan Yates. That was probably uh, to me the most impressive conversation that we had before any of our games this year. And obviously they've played well too. Yeah. Well, it's always, that's a kind of a neat thing is getting to go to walk through or in a week on the phone, getting to talk to the players and getting to know them and, uh, and the personality, uh, like something with Jackson Arnold, um, Oklahoma fans are probably aware, but the whole uncle Rico thing uh, from the Napoleon dynamite and the t-shirts uh, that are made and kind of getting to see uh, the personality of the players. And uh, as you mentioned, that's kind of something that shines through with, with Jackson Arnold, as well as this kind of teammate, uh, uh, Peyton Bowen, Ryan Yates as well, uh, the corner on that team that's going to LSU. Um, so, yeah, not only a really talented team there at Geyer, but also uh, a lot of great personalities as well. Um, you know, I think we'll move on to the next position. This one was a little bit more difficult. Um, and uh, the running back position, I'm going with the two-back running back. Uh, you'll also notice uh, under the column of asterisk, I have 12 <laughs> offensive players. Uh, so, uh, any men on the field? Yeah, all showcase team may get a penalty, but I'm I'm willing to risk it. Uh, but the running back position, we saw some really good ones. Evan Dickens uh, at IMG uh, really kind of burst out. Uh, Jared Gibson got hurt in that game. He was the highly touted 2024 player, but Evan Dickens really stepped up. Jaden Carroll this past week at Jenks High School, uh, he did an outstanding job on the ground. Uh, Justice Haynes at uh, Buford. Uh, did a really nice job, and that was a tough cut. But, um, you know, when it came to the running back position, there was one to me that was really easy, and that was the number one ranked running back in the ESPN 300, committed to Alabama, and that's Richard Young. And if you remember kind of going into that game, we didn't know what to expect because teams were loading the box, and despite, uh, you know, being highly touted, Rich's numbers going into that game were not really great. And then we go, he gets a TV game and to make things even more difficult, there were multiple stops due to weather. Uh, and this game went uh, well, I think past 1 a.m. in the morning. So uh, if you stayed up though, as we did, I think I had to, had to give you a couple of uh, elbows along the way. I think I watched that one on tape. Yeah. <laughs> but if you stayed up, you were treated to a really an impressive performance by Richard Young. Yeah. I think it was the second play of the game. We, we had the lightning delay. Uh, that delayed us like an hour. And then we re-racked our open, played it for a second time where we're talking about Richard Young, Richard Young, Richard Young. And then the second play of the game, he goes for a 90-yard touchdown run. Yeah. So um, definitely definitely was worth staying up for. The, the thing we kept coming back to, I remember having the conversation about uh, his power a lot during that game. And I forget, you, you may have just read off his numbers, but it was it was close to 30 carries, right? 32 carries for 285 yards and two TDs. Yeah. yeah. Human night. Like, again, we were lightning delays. I mean, it was – when you think of 
Florida humidity that night was very much a showcase of that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember he was probably 20 carries into that and, you know, he had taken several, I mean, it was taking three or four guys to bring him down and he was still signaling over to the sideline that yeah. feeding time. He, <laughs> he, he kept wanting the ball. Um, but I, I think the, the coaching staff talked about where that power came from. He was a defensive lineman in pop Warner and yeah. you can, you can see that and how he ran that night and some of the stuff we saw in film going into that game too. Yeah. Well, that's what it, you expect a lot as a number one running back, but it really what was impressive was how it was kind of like a gutty performance. Like it was, again, we had a lot of weather delays. It was start and stop. It went late tonight. They knew talking about they Lake Gibson, they knew who they had to stop. It was Richard Young. You know, everybody trying, and he just would not be stopped. He literally put that team on his back, uh, just breaking tackles, getting to the second level, showing the speed. It was really impressive. And obviously, uh, you know, I'm not going to talk about Richard Young and not, not bring up the pickle juice. Uh, <laughs> if he stayed up, one of the great moments from the season was him chugging pickle juice out of the jar late in the game. And uh, it did not look fun. I did not go home and try that experiment. Did you? Oh, uh, no, no. You're sticking with Gatorade? Uh, no, yeah, that's that's actually soured me on Gatorade and all, all drinks that are green. Uh, that was right before the hurricane, too. And Coach Cheney had talked about how Richard Young – um, was helping put Southwest Florida back on the map as far as recruiting and how he felt that some college coaches were kind of skipping over hmm. Southwest Florida. Um, but, you know, Nick Saban had helicoptered in a couple weeks before that. Um, Richard Young had this big game on TV and then uh, the hurricane hit, which of course had an impact on coaches actually going down there this fall. But um, I, I, to, to Coach Cheney's point, I think that was – that was exactly what he wanted and the region wanted uh, as far as showing off the talent in that part of the state of Florida. Yeah, it was impressive. And I think uh, the second running back didn't need to leave the state. I got to go back again. It was a really tough cut. There were really some talented running backs and I went back and forth, but I could not deny Mark Fletcher from American Heritage on kickoff weekend against Los Alamitos. I mean, he was just phenomenal. 19 carries for 224 yards, two Ds, committed Ohio State. And uh, I think one of our one of one of our first clashings in the booth was when you when you asked him uh, as people are talking about him as a short yardage back and how he uh, he quickly he quickly shut that down with the way that he played. He is a big back, um, but really kind of his offensive line did a really nice job of of opening holes and. Uh, Los Alamitos really had an uphill battle. And part of the reason why is they could not stop that American heritage run game that was anchored by uh, Mark Fletcher. Yeah. I think we both walked away impressed by the underclassmen in that backfield too. Byron Lewis yeah. who's already gotten some power five offers. Um, I think American heritage coaching staff told us that he's, he's kind of the next Mark Fletcher. Um, yeah. And he's going to start to get some of that same attention that, that Fletcher has gotten the past couple of years. Yeah, but outstanding effort by Mark Fletcher on that day, Ohio State uh, commit. So moving to the receiver position, to be honest with you, this was one of the tougher positions to fill. I went with I went with three. Uh, it, like again, if I got to get somebody off the field, I, I would go to two. But I was actually you would think all the receivers, but a lot of the stars were came on the ground this year. Could have probably put five running backs back there, but um, I think when. Uh, you look at the receivers. I think you got to start again kickoff weekend. It was in a loss, but the effort. Sometimes you, I find evaluating talent, you can find more about a player in defeat than you can in a win. 
And one of the things that really impressed me is another player coming off that that earned a five-star. And I'm talking about Makai Lemon, the wide receiver at Los Alamitos, committed to USC. <clears throat> that game was a loss. It was a running clock in the second half. American Heritage had that game in hand, but Makai Lemon and Malachi Nelson as well at the quarterback position. But again, uh, overshadowing Jackson Arnold was going to be tough this year. That's why Malachi is not in that spot. But Makai Lemon was was just phenomenal. To the very end of the game, never stopped fighting, showed a competitive spirit, had roughly 200 yards through uh, in receiving, three touchdowns, had two big plays called back by penalties as well. I mean, that was really – that was the type of performance you want, only want to see from a top wide receiver, but also from somebody – you know, I think, Connor, you agree that, you know, is still losing the game, never once packed it in. Yeah, and um, I think he had all but one or two of their catches that day. Yeah. All but <laughs> one or two of the completions for Malachi Nelson went to Makai Lemon. So um, by the second quarter, I, you know, they, they already knew who he was. American Heritage already knew who he was coming in, so he had a lot of attention. But he had two, three guys draped over him in coverage, and when they would dump it down to him underneath, he was getting off tackles. Um, and still finding windows for Malachi Nelson to to get in the ball. So I'm I'm with you. I know it was in a loss, but 200 yards, three touchdowns, and then uh, a catch and run and a return touchdown that were called back. Um, he he very easily could have had uh, the best overall performance of anybody in the showcase if those touchdowns counted and they won the game. Yeah, yeah, it was so so explosive in creating separation. Uh, the next player that went to the 24 class. And when we talked to this player's head coach, uh, he made a really big comparison. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a really big comparison. But his his numbers in testing, Wade, backed it up. And then even on the field, and again, so of the three receivers, two of them made this list in a loss. But one of them for me is Cam, Cam uh, excuse me, Cam Coleman at a Phoenix Central High School in Alabama in a loss. He was really kind of impressive. And uh, I think that night, Connor, we even kind of uh, – Christened a nickname. We'll see if it takes off. But I think uh, Mini Megatron uh, is, is the uh, is the nickname that we gave. And there, I know there was one play where they threw it to him. And I think six through six IMG defenders, he would not be denied. Yeah, that was that's all credit to you on the Mini Megatron, by the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, again, Coach Nix, the head coach there, gave us kind of gave us a runway by making the comparison to Kelvin Johnson, who he had coached in college. Uh, and so I, I took that baton and I, I ran as fast as I ever have in my life with it. <laughs> and now Craig, you're just trying to make your receiver group as versatile as possible. You've got lemon, your little speedy, reliable guy. And then you want a big physical presence. Exactly. Yeah, on yeah. There. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was uh, an impressive uh, performance again in a loss. And even just in flashes and Wade, his numbers uh, testing wise are, are, are off the charts as well. And He's a player on the rise, so it was kind of neat to your point, uh, you know, as we were talking about for Connor, uh, introduction as well to some of these players that I think profiles are only going to continue to grow. The third one, the last one, I probably uh, probably does not shock you. Um, it was a small snippet on that day, and again, he really wasn't needed because it was one of, uh, it was a game that was in hand very early on, but um, the most I've called him the most electric player in the 2023 class. I'll let For a you long tell, time at this point. Yeah, I'll let yeah. you, Connor, say who that is. That is Zachariah Branch. <laughs> Bishop Gorman's five-star receiver. So if you're a USC fan, you're feeling pretty good right now because yeah, uh, the so. all-showcase team has yeah. two USC commits amongst the three wide receiver position. Only two receptions for 22 yards, but he had 
uh, dare I say, electric 66-yard punt return uh, in that game. So even in a little bit of a flash, you, you could see what type of special player Zachariah Branch was. Yeah, the thing I remember from our conversations that week about him um, that really make me want to see him in a close game late in the game, um, the coaches challenged him on his conditioning because um, we've talked about his speed and how electric he is, but the coaches have flat out said to him, you're the fastest guy in this team. If you're so fast, why aren't you first in conditioning every time? So <laughs> we, we didn't really get to see that because it was 60 to nothing or whatever it was. Um, but they said that's his biggest improvement from last year is it's not only speed, but the sustainability of that speed throughout the game. So um, would have been fun to see it in a little bit closer of a game. And he's obviously put some of that on tape, but um, that's, that was just the one thing from the Zachariah branch experience that I was hoping to see that we didn't get to see. Well, having been around the Bishop Gorman program a bit and been to practice, I will say his work ethic is, uh, is impressive. Um, but you're right. They, they want to think, and that's a really a great point that the Bishop Gorman like, you're the fastest player in the country. Why are you not always, uh, the, for that, that was one of those uh, neat revelations you get in the coaches calls. And one of those common sense things you're like, that's really, that's pretty true. Really no excuse when you're people are billing you as the fastest player in the country. Uh, you should certainly be the fastest guy on your team. At least there's a bunch of other fast guys that he's running against in practice that's with true. that whole defensive backfield going to the power five level pretty much, but <laughs> uh, so we'll move on to tight end. Uh, this one, you know, uh, this is kind of a blend. His player was on the showcase last year for a different team, made a lot of big plays, and then made another big one, too. Uh, I'm talking about IMG tight end Riley Williams. Uh, played for Central Catholic out of Portland. They played on the showcase last year. Yeah. He was really unstoppable in that game going up, high-pointing the ball. Uh, now he has since transferred to IMG, played his senior year there. Uh, and, again, IMG really kind of took that game over with their running game, even though Central out of Alabama game a real – real good fight in that first half Connor but uh he was one of those players who made one of the big plays in the second half uh to kind of help IMG ice that game yeah and before halftime they were in two minute and he had a big first down catch and then he had a touchdown catch to to get him into the end zone before halftime I'm I'm gonna put myself out here for for you to lay me out but uh I don't know maybe a maybe a Jimmy Graham with with the Miami thing, him being a basketball player yeah. before. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah sure. absolutely. Yeah. Okay. yeah. That's usually where Craig crushes me, Wade. So oh, yeah, well, no, well, figures you you keep your best stuff till we're off air. I saw you approach with some <laughs> caution. <laughs> yeah. Like this this is this is where Craig brings the hammer down on me, even if I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. There goes to Riley Williams at tight end. So just before we uh uh go to the O line, we got Jackson Arnold quarterback, Richard Young and Mark Fletcher at running back. Uh, the Bama and Iowa State commit, respectively. Jackson Arnold committed Oklahoma. Wide receiver Zachariah Branch and Makai Lemon, two USC commits, both five stars in ESPN 300. 24 wide receiver Cam Coleman, uncommitted. And then tight end Riley Williams and IMG. Now the O-line, this is difficult. I went back and forth. Uh, you know, I, I think to give, to give myself props, I try to always make sure we talk about the offensive lines and and the jobs that they do in the office. We're well aware of that. Craig. In the yes, office. Yes. yes. On air. Yeah. Uh, such an important part of the game. Listen, if you can't open holes, you know, running backs aren't any good. Right and quarterbacks right aren't any good if they're laying on their back. Yeah. Um, you know, listen, we saw five-star Francis Malangoa uh, for IMG in that central game. Connor, we focused on him a few times in the game. He, he made some, he made some really big plays, did a really nice job. I'm really excited about the upside of KV on Broussard at Zachary high school. 
uh, in their win over Woodlawn. I think he's a player uh, to keep an eye on. Ryan Blum, the center at Basher, did a nice job up front. Um, I thought overall um, the Jenks offensive line at Oklahoma played really well this past week in their win against Bigsby. But uh, this year we gave out one MVP to an entire unit, uh, and that was in Vegas to the Bishop Gorman offensive line. Uh, they shared a collective, uh, their, our version of the Joe Moore award. We just gave them the MVP <laughs> for the best offensive line, but I'll say this, you know, this is your first year. I don't know if I've ever seen an offensive line play such a complete and, and just outstanding game as a unit that Bishop Gorman did. So the entire offensive line is entering the showcase, the all showcase team for Bishop Gorman. We uh we did that game on like one hour of sleep coming from Venice the night before, but uh, cor correct me correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember a sack in that game. I don't remember a quarterback hurry. I don't remember a quarterback hit. I don't remember any type of pressure in the passing game on the quarterback. And then it's the run games and and the job uh that they that they did. And Kaya Toledo, their offensive line coach, does an outstanding job. I've had a chance to see. So when Bishop Gorman practices, and they are a well-oiled machine in practice, and that showed in the game. Uh, they got the Stanford commit uh, at their left tackle. Um, and But really, I think if if you force me to kind of pull two guys, it was the two 2025 linemen, um, Doug Utu uh, at tackle, and then A.J. Alofi Tuli. I think, I think I got that. I don't know if you have your phonetic chart there, but uh, <laughs> I just, they just call him S.J., uh, excuse me, uh, SJ, but he was just absolutely phenomenal. The guard, I think those two, we don't have 2025 rankings yet, Wade, but I can pretty much guarantee you that those two are going to be ranked pretty high amongst uh, the offensive line. Oh, yeah, we know that. We got the notes on them already, Craig. We're ready for it. Yeah. Uh, so the entire Alo offensive Fituli. line. What? I think that's I think that's what you said. Alo Fituli. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I may not have said it as smoothly, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, uh, just before we move over to the defensive side of the ball, a couple thoughts. Uh, running back Evan Dickens from IMG was a fun guy to go through the whole week. As we were prepping for that game, both of us uh, were really impressed with him on film. We thought he was a great get for Coastal Carolina. And then we interviewed uh, Coach Mike Sellers, and he could not stop raving about this kid. who's actually not one of their recruited scholarship kids, but um, you know, obviously he impressed in that game. And then just a general question for you, Craig. We're making this list. You know, you've got Jackson Arnold as your starting quarterback. All these big names in the honorable mention category, some of which I even forgot about that play because there were so many. Was this the most talented quarterback group that you've had in the slate for a season? I mean, off the top of my head, I think it's got to be. Yes, but I also think that is an extension of this probably being the most talented quarterback group that we've had in the ESPN. With two classes stacked together almost. In 06, too, yeah. and I would say this, and – I don't know if we talked about this on air, Connor. I know you and I have talked about it. I, I feel like this 2024 quarterback class is not going to be much of a dip. So I think you put together one of the strongest quarterback classes with 2023 being, and then being followed up with the early indications of 2024 being strong together, uh, you know, kind of led us to the point where I think, you know, this was from top to bottom, the most talented group. And even like, I think you would agree, Connor, this past week, the job that Ike Owens did, at Jenks, I mean, that was a Herculean effort. I mean, 135 yards through the air, 169 on the ground, even quarter pass for 11 yards. I mean, Ike Owens is not a name that you know in the recruiting world, uh, but he just helping lead Jenks to that win over Bixby. I mean, he was just phenomenal. And we didn't see much of that on film because they had so many injuries around them. 
So I don't think either of us expected him to go for over a hundred yards rushing just because they had to protect him so much because literally every other skill guy around him had been hurt at some point that season. So that, that was right up there. I, I wouldn't say it was Jackson Arnold-esque because that was five-star going to Oklahoma and um, all the hype he had around him. But that was one of our better quarterback games that we had this year for sure. And it's one of the neat things about high school football. Again, not everybody's going to go on and play power five football, but just to see how much it means and how many good football players there are, even beyond those FBS players, uh, it, it was great to see. And uh, the other one too, I think just mention real quick is the other two in 24th, Damon William. Basher, uh, yeah, he he made two big plays when they needed one through the air towards the end of the game and one run to help set up a score. Uh, and the other one being Malawaki Maui, also known as Maui Smith, um, who I will say is probably the best quarterback to come out of Sarah, but will be the most high profile quarterback to come out of Sarah since Tom Brady. Yeah, Craig, they were running a double wing early in the season, and he, he wasn't even their main guy, and then he they, they spread it out the game that we did and Sarah's staff told us this was going to be his game, but they were down 14 in the fourth quarter and um, 17 unanswered. He, he led him back to a win. Uh, I, I remember you talking a lot about his smooth release and his accuracy that night. Yeah. yeah. They really, really talented quarterback. So uh, part of that 2024 class. All right. So moving over uh, to defense. Uh, I, I, I did play by the rules and kept this to 11 uh, with it, with a four, three, Look, we're going to start on the uh, defensive line. This was there was a lot of good players and actually kept some pretty good ones kind of uh, on the sideline. Deshaun Womack from St. Francis Academy. Uh, Damon Wilson and a loss for Venice was uh, really, again, you kind of go back to those things. What do you learn about a player in a loss is he played his butt off. I remember at one point, like him kind of being down on one knee, trying to catch his breath because it seemed like he was everywhere and never really tried to never really stop scrapping uh, in in the way that he was playing, David Stone he jumped out maybe because maybe because he I remember that game he blocked like three extra points. <laughs> uh, the 2024 defensive lineman at IMG, um, but I uh, on that defensive line I'm going to start at Buford uh, with Edric Houston, 2024 player um, in a win against Collins. I remember going to Buford's walkthrough the day before, and he was he's one of these first off the bus guys. He looks the part. He is long. But when he also, when he gets off the bus and steps on the field, uh, he's a hell of a football player, does a great job with his, using his length, shows good power. He was really disruptive uh, that night for uh, that Buford program. Yeah, and, and that was the interesting thing whenever we had high-profile defensive ends or corners where people were just throwing or running away from them. That wasn't the case with him and with Wilson at Venice. Uh, I remember St. Francis continuing to run at Wilson and he was just making every play. Yeah. I remember <laughs> us talking about that. Like, I don't, I might, I might go to, I don't want to question a team that wins a lot of games and produces talent like they, but they were kind of almost like, like we're going to do it this way. We don't care. No, like you may want to go the other way too. <laughs> yeah. Just, just supreme belief in the right tackle every yeah. single play. <laughs> uh, so Edric Houston, I, you know, I listen this player didn't, you know, he flashed at points and I'm I'm going to stay in that game on the losing side, but I, one of the players really, really excited about and, uh, a candidate for, we'll see how things progress, but I, I would er, an early candidate for the number one player in the 26 class. And that's Deuce Gerald's um, at Collins Hill, 2026 
He is so explosive. I went back and watched as much as I could from that game before putting him on there. And there were points where he was, where you're like, that's a freshman. And I don't think in all the years that I've done the showcase, I don't think we've ever featured a freshman in the open uh, before the game started. And we did it on Deuce Gerald's, but he, in my eyes, Connor, he didn't disappoint. No, he, he didn't at all. And um, that was kind of a, a defensive struggle for a lot of the games. So we got to talk a lot about the defensive guys and I'm happy that it went that way because it was so unique. You're right. With having a freshman. Um, I don't think we did that all year outside of that game. So I don't that- think I've done it ever on the high school showcase where we featured and even to the point during the week, our producers like, uh, I don't know about that. And then we got off that coach's call with Collins Hill and they were raving <laughs> about the players they called do so mighty. Uh, and then our, our, our man, uh, Andy Bach came around and the next thing you know, we're, we're coming on the air and let's introduce you to a 2026 DL, uh, Deuce Gerald. Yeah. And, uh, two or three replays into it. He was definitely sold because yeah. then we ISO'd him a couple of times and then, then we got to talk about him quite a bit more. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that was definitely, that was definitely one of the names that he asked me in two years, if I'm going to remember that name. Yeah. Cause He's probably going to be in the 300 and maybe one of your top 10 players. Yeah, he was he was impressive. So explosive. And uh, the kid that the coaching staff there raves about off the field as well. Um, the next one up was I'm going back out to California to the De La Salle game. And I don't know if you remember, but I remember just this, us calling his name a lot. And we talked about Maui Smith, the quarterback. But on the defensive line, it was Sam Golikowski. Uh, he had couple of sacks in that game, did an outstanding job of setting the edge against um, a De La Salle team that runs a split back veer, does a lot on the ground. And he was just so disruptive. One of these players, I, I, I tried to look, I don't think has any offers yet. Think about all the, all the outstanding FCS programs out West. I, I wouldn't be surprised, or I think a player that some of those programs would, would do a great job of bringing in and developing it with his, his slight frame. He's missed a couple of games since we saw him. He missed a handful of games due to injury, but uh, eight and a half tackles for a loss, 12, uh, excuse me, sacks, 12 tackles for a loss in the games that he has played this year. But I don't know about you, but I, when I put this together, that was one name that, that jumped in my mind. Yeah. And, and he didn't really have it figured out based on what Sarah's staff told us. Uh, he just, kind of watched last year he was a backup second third string guy and then um all of a sudden he comes back in the spring and he's cleaning 300 plus pounds so that was uh that's that's the classic late bloomer type story and then he had uh, one of his best games of his career according to coach walsh uh in our game so um yeah i that's that was a long time ago but you're right you, you said that name and i was like yeah that's um that, that's a guy that popped up a lot in their comeback win against de la salle yeah, and he said, fortunately, he missed some time due to injury, but seems to be back on the field now. So I think he could be a player that could be a kind of a sleeper pickup for a program, kind of an edge player, kind of a lean build. He'll have to fill out, but uh, uh, whether it be an FCS uh, or a D2, I, hopefully some things pick up for him because he was impressive that night. The last one is, again, I'm, I'm going to help you to, if there's a point at any point that I get called out, maybe this is it. And one you mentioned too, just how Golikowski jogged your memory. One of the more difficult things about putting this together is A, there's so many talented players, uh, but B, just trying to kind of remember too. Some of these, sometimes the games bleed together who it was, but in this game, I, re- I remember us calling this player's name a lot in the effort that he was giving, making plays out in the perimeter, 
Uh, he's a power five commit, but, you know, a high three star, but not one of those four star players, a guy who doesn't wow you in a testing setting. I just be really impressed with his effort. And I'm talking about Ashley Williams at a Zachary in that win over Woodlawn. I mean, am I wrong? Was Were we not talking about him? I remember, I remember kind of being like, this guy's really not the guy who's going to wow you with his speed, yet he seemed to be in on a lot of tackles that night. Yeah, I'm I'm glad I didn't guess because that's that's not where I was gonna go. Um I, I thought you were gonna say Jordan Hall at IMG. You said oh, it's a linebacker. Back. It's a linebacker. Yeah, Jordan Hall was playing Mike for, for IMG, right? Yeah, but we're still I'm You're finishing still up on the, the defensive line. line. You're yeah. still on the D line. Yeah. Well, definitely good. I didn't guess then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Connor had the three men front, but you had proclaimed yeah. you're going you're that's, going four three before we said. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought you were going stand up on the edge. Yeah. yeah um, but- no, you're you're right. That turned into that turned into a running back and defensive line game, though. And yeah. uh, we we build the four star versus five star quarterback, and then we ended up talking about the Auburn commit a lot and that front that had three power five guys going yeah. um, going out of there. So um, no, you're you're right. We we did call his name a lot, and uh, I think it was it was mostly him making Ricky Collins run out of the pocket and run for his life like half that game, right? Yeah, and and but and making plays outside, like running them down on the edge and really just, again, he's not one of these players that's going to kind of wow you in terms of maybe a 40 or anything, but just a good football player who whose performance was just aided by outstanding effort. Yeah, and, you know, one thing that I think has been interesting listening to you guys talk about the defensive line group but some of the other positional groups too is, of course, when we're doing the rankings, we want to watch as much film as we can. We see him in a camp setting, but – uh, admission here we don't watch every single play that the player plays throughout the course of the year but you guys when you're on site you're literally watching every play of a game and you get to see you know not just the flash plays but the competitiveness throughout the whole game the conditioning as you'd mentioned you know had been brought up with branch and some others and so like deshaun womack david stone damon wilson we know wilson had a great game those are some of the other really talented defensive linemen that you guys saw but i thought it was interesting that you went with the guys who in your head, just kind of jog your memory that you were calling consistently. And, you know, when these power five coaches are breaking down film, they're watching complete game film. Yeah. So the flash players are not necessarily going to be the guys that they're going to be most interested in. It's going to be the guys whose competitiveness and production level is high throughout the course of a game and the course of, you know, a couple year high school career. Yeah. So a good group of D linemen. It was, those are the four that kind of came to mind. Um, move on to linebackers. I'm going to let you kick this group off, Connor, uh, with, with one of those players that made it. Uh, I'm guessing Jordan Hall. Since yes. I already said the name. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> there we go. There the synergy of uh, a season together. Uh, just, just oh so close. Just one position off. But <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, was I, thinking, I was thinking maybe you'd stand up, Ashley Williams. Yeah, yeah. But, but uh, Jordan Hall, I, IMG. You know, he's. You think about all the players that have gone through. He was the first ever three-time captain for that program, Michigan State committee, ESPN 300 linebacker. But uh, having been a three-year captain, he's been on the showcase several years. I remember when they were on against Venice, he made some plays a couple of years ago, but he was active versus the run. Uh, he deflected, a, got his hand up uh, on a play that was uh, on a scramble that wound up becoming interception and then got an interception himself. He was really just active uh, that day for a loaded IMG defense. Yeah, I, I remember he, he came out of a tackle at one point in that game and he was kind of shaking his hand off and we thought he was going to have to come out of the game. But oh. then he made like three tackles in a row right after that. Um, and um, IMG staff 
called him the smartest guy in their defense. We went to we went to their hotel. We didn't get to go to walkthrough. The story was told from their walkthrough that Jordan Hall um, is asked every week, what's your job? The whole defense is asked, what's your job? And it's always Hall that answers first. So yeah. um, good good athlete. You mentioned the leadership. I was a three-time captain, but um, the, the smartest guy on a, a very talented defense, obviously, at, at IMG, Jordan Hall. Yeah, outstanding pickup there for Michigan State. The next one is uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, in a game where we thought uh, with two of the top 24 quarterbacks, we'd have a shootout wound up being a uh, uh, a real kind of tough defensive battle, a great game, but defensive battle. And this player was one of the uh, key defenders in helping uh, Basha defeat Chandler, and that was Wyatt, Wyatt Milkovic, uh, the linebacker. He is committed to Boise State. He's a high three-star weight. You and I were talking about before we got started. Like He's a guy we like on film, and he's just one of those football-playing dudes. And he was a uh, kind of a thorn in the side for that Chandler offense all night long with the way that he played. And uh, again, uh, another name I know you know how to pronounce because we called it several times that night. Yeah, Milkovic. Wyatt yeah. Milkovic headed to Boise State. Uh, he was a he was a defensive lineman. You remembered him from the showcase in 2020 as a defensive lineman. So yeah, he's only yeah. I think he was at Hamilton before. Uh... Yeah, yeah. So he's only two and a half years into playing linebacker, um, but he hits man. I think Coach McDonald said uh, his his quote was he hits kids and they quit. <laughs> <laughs> so he he definitely lays the wood and like you said, good get for Boise State. Um, and it, it sounds like he's pretty locked in too. We yeah. we asked that question to coach throughout the week, and he said he's he's pretty serious about Boise State. And boys, you know, Wade Boise State, well, one of the probably the, the top recruiting programs amongst the G five. Of course, yeah. Wyatt Milkovic is a good example of why why they are. And then lastly, I'm going back to kickoff weekend. This is a player uh, that I that I really like. I mean, last year in our game, he made a big play against St. Francis near the goal line. Uh, in St. Thomas Aquinas' win over St. Francis. And then this past year uh, against St. Joseph Prep out of Philadelphia, he made more plays, had a sack, had a scoop and a score towards the end of the game. Uh, and now I'm talking about Nicholas Rodriguez. Uh, he's just one of these guys I love on film. He, he hits hard, plays sideline to sideline. Uh, I think that he's probably, in my estimation, on a loaded team, one of the more underrated players. I, he may be a little bit undersized, but I don't know if you remember him, Connor, but I just – I watch him on film. Every time I see St. Thomas Aquinas, it seems like he's making plays. I, I just think he's a hell of a football player. Yeah, I, I remember him because I feel like he got lost with uh, a secondary that's – I know he, he was playing up in the box at, at Sam mostly, but um, they had the two Penn State commits yeah. in the secondary, and then the two corners are going power 5-2. So a lot of our conversations throughout the week were around those guys and the other power 5 commits, but um, – like you said, play in the showcase last year, and then um, he, he made a couple more plays that that really flashed. I, I don't remember if he was the leading tackler, but he had to be close in that game on kickoff weekend. And the thing on Rodriguez I find interesting, too, so you, you've now seen him back-to-back -back years yeah. uh, in person, and then I just opened him up in the UC report, and you've got a really glowing report out of him off freshman film as well. Yeah. So now we're talking about a guy for three straight years has been impressing you, so – want to talk about maybe a high probability prospect i think nick rodriguez maybe the size deficiencies uh something that can be overcome by a consistent level of play and he's an example too we've talked about this on air too connor is that sometimes you've got to just look past the measurables and just look at the football player because i don't you're right nicholas rodriguez probably belongs in safety uh but 
to St. Thomas Aquinas is, uh, you know, had to, they know they got to get him on the field and they put him at linebacker. He's a little bit undersized, but, uh, you know, anybody who hits that hard and makes that many plays, I think you kind of got to look past that. And he's picking up some offers, but I really think he should be discussed as one of the, one of the top linebackers in the 2024 class. Hard, um, unless you're running three safeties, hard to play safety on that team when you've yeah. got <laughs> yeah. Mac and Conrad Hussey back there, both going to Penn State. Um, speaking of uh, safeties, we'll we'll move to the secondary. Um, since we're on kickoff week, I'm going to go ahead and stay there. A different game, uh, but we American Heritage is going to put a second player on this all showcase team. We talked about running back Mark Fletcher on the other side. Talking about loaded secondaries. American Heritage has put together quite a track record of developing secondary players. And this is one of those players that the coaching staff at American Heritage says reminds them of Patrick Sutan Jr. Yeah. Uh, and that speaks volume. But then the way he played, uh, I'm not going to argue with them because he had an outstanding game. And that was uh, Damari Brown, uh, still uncommitted. But I just, even with all the yards that that Sal was able to put up through the air and the job that Makai Lemon did. I didn't seem like anytime they tried to test Amari Brown, it seemed like not only did he defend, it seemed like he was running the route for the receivers. Yeah, I think we had a we had a Snuggie and Bib debate with some of those tough ones. That's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> I think somebody said, yeah, because yeah, he was in the front because it couldn't be a cape. So we went, yeah. <laughs> Okay, your bib, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I said, yeah, he was on him like a cape, and you're like, wouldn't that be a bib? <laughs> yeah. uh, and Tamari Brown is one of those guys, as uh, we know, love uh, fans love to shoot holes in recruiting rankings. Yeah. I remember watching the games on uh, kickoff weekend, you know, and then looking him up in our rankings and everything. And Tamari Brown looks so good right off the bat. And I'm like, I know we got this guy in the 300. I looked him up and I go, Oh, well, we goofed that one up. He's got to go way up yeah. just immediately after watching yeah. the next <laughs> update on that game. He did move up. Uh, yeah, he did. And I think he's, uh, he's recently, he's one of the few uncommitted guys still. And he's released the final four, I believe of uh, Alabama, Clemson, Florida state and Miami. So no shortage of suitors for Mari Brown. Yeah. A name to watch staying in the secondary one guy that uh, was ranked high and now even ranked higher. And that's Peyton Bowen. Yeah. Uh, Peyton Bowen was really active on defense that night. He's got one of the best max speeds uh, in the country. One of the faster players in his class. And I think that sometimes we overlook uh, in that category, but I mean, remember Connor, the way he would close as well that night, there was a few times where he just closed on a football at the live big hits. And then uh, listen, uh, it's in the record books. It's staying this way. It's a punt return for a touchdown. You, right. you can't go back and rewrite history. Uh, even, because the official was caught up in the carnage on the return, did not see the knee go down. So we're counting it. I'm counting it in the stats. It's helped put him on the all showcase team. Peyton Bowen with a with a with a really one of the uh, more uh, exciting plays of the showcase with that 59 yard punt return. The the combination of him breaking all those tackles and the debris on the field <laughs> and, and who it was one of our headlining five star players. That's my favorite player of the year. Right there. Well, yeah, I, I don't know if I could argue with you. There was a lot going on in that play. And I think he even did it not make Sports Center highlights that night. It, it was the number one play. Yeah. It was the, the touchdown that was or wasn't was the number yeah. one play. It is. It is. No replay in high school. We ain't going back. Peyton Bowen in the record books for a 59 yard punt return. And I, nope. I, I know you guys are, are all over this too, just because um, you, you got the pulse on national recruiting, but being here in the Midwest, I have lots of friends that are Notre Dame fans and uh, they, 
They are stressed. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, going back to our the quarterback on the All Showcase team, uh, Jackson Arley, he said he's not giving up. We asked him who he was going after. He goes, well, I'm not giving up on on Peyton. Uh, so Oklahoma is still trying to be in the mix there uh, well, as well. Craig, uh, they the Oklahoma staff, Jeff Levy helicoptered in their offensive coordinator, but Brandon Hall, their safeties coach, also yeah. just so happened, yeah. just so happened to be on that helicopter too. Yeah, so you're right. So yeah, one to watch. And uh, I said Notre Dame. Notre Dame is right now. We talked about this. I think our previous podcast putting together one of the fastest classes in the country. Uh, Peyton Bowen a big part of that. But yeah, you're right. They're going to probably have to sweat that one out uh, for another uh, six weeks or so. Um, staying in the secondary, I'm going back out to Arizona. That defensive battle. Uh, you know, we we hustled over to walk through. And caught him just as he was coming out of the locker room. I had a chance to talk to him and uh, wound up putting on a big game. And that was Cole Martin out of Basher. Um, we got him listed as a corner, uh, probably a little producing on the fly here. We probably should move him to safety, you know, a little bit underside. All right, let's make a note of that. There yep. you go. Yep. But he yeah. is uh, a big hitter. I went back and watched some of that. And he was just sideline to sideline. And he is not very big, but he throws his body around with disregard. He laid some big pops in that game committed to Oregon uh Cole Martin was really impressive in that win over Chandler yeah that whole team impressed me by how hard they hit but uh, the I feel like the tone setter was maybe the first or second drive of the game uh little hitch route or some route out into the flat and he just drives the guy into the sideline uh, and, and you're right we we got to stand next to him not the biggest dude but he flies uh, and and runs right through you his confidence is way outweighs his dimensions. He <laughs> plays, he has that confidence you want in a secondary player. Uh, his dad is a college coach. He's got a good feel for the game. And then you blend in that fearless way that he plays and uh, he'll, he'll be a good player uh, for Oregon. And if not in that secondary right away, I guarantee you, he'll be just a absolute uh, hell on wheels on special teams. initially. Oh, yeah. uh, um, and then uh, lastly, I'm going to the 2025 class. Uh, a player that right before we left the field came over to introduce himself to us and and introduce himself as a uh, as the best player in the 2025 class and then went out in the field the next night uh, and sure as heck played like it. I'm talking about Black Blake Woodby at St. Francis Academy. Uh, good on defense, scored on a 60 yard jet sweep on offense, and uh, one of the more exciting. We've had a few 2025 players to get excited about, and, and Blake Woodby is certainly one of them. Yeah, that was uh, that was the night we had like 250 penalty yards in our game, yes. Yes. and Saint Saint Francis is at like first and 21, something, <laughs> some some random marking, and I was like, "What's your play call, Craig?" By the time he could spit it out, he was 40 yards down the sideline, and we were like, yeah. "Oh, that that works." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, a young man with a lot of confidence, great, uh, great personality, and a name to know in the 2025 class. So. The defense is set. Run through that real quick on a defensive line. Edric Houston out of Buford, junior 300 player Deuce Gerald's in the 2026 class. Sam Golikowski may not be a name, but uh, familiar to recruiting fans, but just outstanding job for Sarah uh, in their upset win over De La Salle. And then Ashley Williams, the Auburn commit uh, out of Zachary in their win over Woodlawn at linebacker. Uh, Jordan Hall uh, for IMG in that win over Central. Wyatt Milkovic for Chandler. Uh, uh, excuse me, for Basher, and their win over Chandler, the Boise State commit, and Nicholas Rodriguez out of St. Thomas Aquinas in uh, their win on kickoff weekend. And the secondary, 
five-star Peyton Bowen committed to Notre Dame out of Geyer, uh, Damari Brown at American Heritage, uh, two players that they put on this team, uh, on this all-showcase team. He's committed to, uh, in their win over Los Alamitos, still uncommitted. As you mentioned, Wade Bama, Florida State, Miami, Clemson in the Final Four. The Oregon commit, Cole Martin for Basher, and their win over Chandler. And then the 2025, Blake would be at a St. Francis Academy. Did not go into kickers. I'm going to specialists. Yeah. Not do it. Yeah. Maybe maybe at a later podcast. Uh, we'll, we'll get Jamie Cole, our kicking specialist, yeah. on to tell us who's the best kicker. In the the kicking game. So uh, anybody you feel like was a glowing admission? Uh, outside of specialists, I want some punters, kickers, and long snappers on there. No. All right. Well, then. Uh, put that list together, and we'll, we'll have you yeah, back. Yeah, we'll have you back. We'll have you back uh, <laughs> next week. We'll we'll call that the part of the podcast where people can go to get get a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I want that at the front of the podcast. Don't bury me at the end with that segment. <laughs> and just uh, one one final note on this group: a couple of the names that we mentioned. Uh, we've been spending the last couple of weeks updating the Junior Three Hundred, and a couple of the names mentioned today will be new entrants in the Junior Three Hundred coming out later this week. Yeah, absolutely. So. First ever uh, ESPN High School all-showcase team is set. Uh, I appreciate, uh, Connor, you taking the time to kind of join us again. It was a lot of fun this year. We are not done as yet. We still got the bowl series coming up in December and and the Under Armour All-America game, and uh, hopefully maybe uh, one or two games in between there as well. So I will uh, I will see you on the road and in the booth. It's, it's been fun, partner, and uh, still a couple, still more to go. But appreciate you taking the time. Uh, to kind of join us for this inaugural as all showcase team. Uh, thank you guys. Appreciate it. Love the pod. Glad I could be a guest. The next edition of the ESPN junior 300 comes out this Friday, the 11th uh, being the generous people that we are way, we figure we give a little bit of a sneak peek and uh, kind of like getting a Christmas present on Christmas Eve. Uh, we're going to give out one, new addition to the five stars for the 2024 class uh, right now and uh, also have him join us to talk about that. And if you've been following along, you know this is a player that um, came on my radar last year, actually saw his first start uh, on varsity, was a national televised game against uh, De La Salle in Concord, California, one of the most prestigious winningest high school programs in the nation. And uh, with ice water running through his veins, he helped his uh, high school team win that game and uh, has really not stopped taking off since then was a MVP performer at future 50 uh, this past summer, the only uh, underclassman amongst the quarterbacks there. And you would not know it with the way he performed and then had a chance again to see him this fall and, and, and was outstanding. So every time I see him, I become more and more impressed. And uh, uh, I think when we got together, Wade as a staff, we realized there was really no, argument that this young man deserves a bump up to the five-star range and to be looked at amongst the premier quarterbacks in the 2024 class with with that being said uh, i'm talking about saint francis academy quarterback michael van buren who joins us now how you doing michael real good thank you for having me absolutely absolutely well uh congrats on the fifth star obviously there's a lot of a lot of bigger picture stuff a lot of things more important in the world but what does it kind of mean uh to this point to kind of earn that fifth star uh, it's just truly a blessing, you know, knowing that all our hard work is paying off and it's being recognized. And, you know, everybody dreams of, you know, having a five-star as a little kid. So just having the dream come true is, is definitely a blessing. You know, I talked about um, that first start a year ago on ESPN against De La Salle. Uh, 
you know, could you take us back? What was what was your moment? At what point in the week did you kind of find out and kind of what was uh take us into your head getting that first start? Not only your first varsity start, but doing it on national television on the other side of the country. <laughs> yeah, um, of course I had my nerves that week, but all week my coach was preaching to me like, you know, this going this going to make or break you, right? This is this is going to set you all set you for the rest of your life. So I just took it as a huge opportunity, and you know I. I attacked it like like I did, and so and since that point, I mean, uh, you know, talk about your development as a quarterback. What have you kind of been working on to improve yourself as a player? Uh, I say the biggest thing I've been working on is just my football IQ in general, and um, you know, learning of all the defenses one is doing at any at any second, so it can help me you know excel on the field. You talked about kind of developing that football IQ. You only have a excellent staff there at, at St. Francis, but uh, you've also had a chance there to work with another uh, DMV quarterback who's having great success in college, Caleb Williams, now at USC. Uh, can you talk about, you know, how we, you two kind of got together and what you've been able to learn from Caleb? Oh, uh, well, me and Caleb played the same youth program of Bowie Bulldogs, so um, I as a kid, I used to watch him, you know, you know, I was a younger, I was a little younger, so I used to watch him, you know, a slice defenses up at a young age. So, you know, we we started talking more as the years went by and he brother me, he gives me advice when I need it. You know, he just, you know, tells me how the college how the college ball is like and we train together. We like to compete a lot when we when we train together too. So what is uh what's it, what's the uh what's one thing that stuck with you that you've taken away from him in in, in working with Caleb? Uh, just just because his IQ, his football IQ is is, is um, I've, I've never seen before. That's so that's that's what a lot of people don't really know about how how smart he really is and how much he really knows the game and and everybody knows how magical he is and all the throws he can make too. So that's something I also also look at while we train too. One of the natural, not say natural comparisons, but one of the comparisons that comes to mind for myself. Uh, and not only, um, you know, in in your build, but in the way that you perform, but also kind of the way you carry yourself and anybody who's had a chance to kind of be around him in high school, I think may say the same as kind of Bryce Young. Have you have you gotten those comparisons uh, elsewhere? And, uh, you know, do you see a little bit of yourself in, in, in his game as well? Uh, I mean, every, uh, a lot of things, everybody like to compare me to Bryce Young. And I mean, I definitely, I watched, I watched a lot of his film and, I definitely see my see see his game a little bit of my and you know, but I just I try to be me and you know I just take bits and pieces out of his game. So you know, because he's doing it big at the big, you know high well not the highest level, but at the level I'm trying to get to right now. And so I just take bits and pieces out of his game to help me improve my game. So we were just talking about Bryce Young and one similarity between you and Bryce is you guys both led two of the most competitive high school football programs in the country. And even though, of course, you're playing with a really talented roster, the expectations could not be higher for you at the high school level on a week-in, week-out basis. I mean, you guys really are expected to win every week. So what can you take to the next level, having to already deal yeah. with such high-level you know, level expectations on the field at the high school level, which, of course, will be maintained or elevated at the next level? Um, just going against those pretty much those same guys that I'm going to be seeing in college, you know, the same Power Five you know, division one talent that I'm going to be seeing in college. It's, it's nice that I'm going against the best weekend, week out, every week. 
and then playing also playing in practice against the best. You know, our defense, everybody knows our defense is the best in the country. And <laughs> going against going against those guys every day, making me better. And it's just it's, it's just great. And I feel like it's really gonna help me when I get to the college level, be ready early. You mentioned that uh, incredible national schedule that you guys play against. Just this year alone, you've played against Texas commits like Jonte Cook and Trey Wisner. Of course, Damon Wilson from Venice and Elliott Washington, the Penn State commit. Um, And, of course, many other, as you mentioned, Power 5 players. Is there an opponent that you've played against this year who's really, really impressed you and stuck out in your mind, either while you were preparing or during the game? Uh, Yeah, those are all great players. But I say definitely Damon Wilson. He gave us he gave us the biggest problems out of all those guys for sure. Yeah, you know, and um, one of the uh, interesting things as well is not only the competition you face. I think you know, again, when we were updating the rankings, it was a collection of things. I think what's interesting though, if you look at your stats this year on paper, they may not be eye popping for you as a passer. But then you look at your backfield. I know when we saw you guys in Venice on the ESPN game, I think you had two 100-yard rushers. Seems like you guys have been able to get a lot done on the ground. I mean, just talk about, you know, what it's been like to kind of play within the system and maybe at times kind of sacrifice some of your stats, but for the greater good of the offense. I'm a team player, and, you know, I want to do whatever it takes to win. So, you know, offense was pretty balanced this year. And, you know, of course we got – a bunch we got a bunch of great running backs so you know we we like to we we like to attack teams passing the ball and also keeping them honest with the run with our great running backs and they going they not just gonna get one two three yards and first down they gonna go to the go to the house a lot so that's the thing it is it's definitely it makes my job way easier knowing that I got those guys in the backfield and uh obviously really proficient as a passer but how much are, are the coaches they try to uh they try to keep you corralled from kind of running or they let you just kind of do your thing when you feel like you got to tuck and go? Uh, they let me do my thing. You know, they tell me to go make a play. I make a play when I got to make a play. So, you know, if it's passing the ball, if it's tucking it and running, I'm going to do whatever it takes for us to win. And obviously, the, you know, the next question is, I think one of the things that's interesting is you play a high-profile position. Usually the position that in a lot of cases – will be the foundation and kind of set the course for how classes are built going forward. Uh, you know, there's already 13 quarterbacks in the 2024 class committed. Uh, when I had a chance to talk to you earlier this fall, only really one team, though, that we had talked about already has a commitment. Um, you know, is there, from a quarterback's perspective, you're in the shoes that not a lot of people can probably understand. Is there kind of a pressure to kind of find that fit early on because quarterbacks usually are one of the first players off the board? Um, I say it is, but it really isn't. You know, I'm trying to make sure I find the best school that that fits me and you know everything I can do and, and it fits my 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 needs. So I feel like it's not it's not it's not that big of a pressure. But then again, it is. So you know, you don't end up you know trying to commit too late and all the spots are taken at all the schools. But you know, I, I want to go somewhere that that wants me just as much as I want them. So you know. If, if if I'm a school's guy, then you know, then they gonna they gonna they gonna they gonna they gonna wait till it's that time. You talk about a school that's a right fit for you. What is a right fit? What are you kind of you know looking for as you you know begin to explore options? A uh, school that's gonna develop me and give give me to that next level that I'm trying to get at, and you know, a school that's gonna compete, of course, and 
yeah, just like just a family culture, uh, a culture that really care. When I had saw you earlier this fall, um, some of the schools you had brought up, I, I, you were trying to make a visit out to Oregon unofficially, naturally at Miami, Wisconsin, uh, Alabama, LSU were some of the schools you mentioned. How has that kind of list changed or grown? Uh, of course, you know, everybody knows Alabama, LSU got their commitments. So, you know, I've been focusing on, you know, the other schools that I mentioned and trying to get out there. I already got out to uh, Oregon. So Miami would be next and probably get out to Wisconsin soon. And there's a couple other schools. We'll talk about that Oregon visit. Obviously, uh, you know, strangers to the West Coast haven't played out there. But what was what was Oregon like? How did that uh, what impressions did that visit make? Uh, it left a good impression on me. I, I love the atmosphere and the coaching staff. It showed a lot of love. And, you know, we, I had great talks with Coach Dillingham, which is the offensive coordinator, quarterback coach. And, you know, he was just he was, he was just telling me telling me all the real, real. He was, he was keeping it real with me, which, which I love. So I, I really love that Oregon visit. And then, obviously, some business ahead. You got a game this weekend. And following that, you got the big showdown with IMG. But – have you began to think about a kind of a timetable? Are you going to kind of take it into spring, whatever it feels right? What is what is kind of your thought process on that front? Uh, I'm just going my gut feeling. You know, whenever I feel like the time is right, then I'm, I'm going to make that decision. You know, one thing, too, I know uh, your head coach is sitting there, Masai Halamarium, and uh, going to have him kind of jump on a second because it's so, Coach, you know, I remember I've known you, had the opportunity, chance to kind of get to know you for quite a few years, and uh, you've always had a kind of eye for talent. and. Um, a lot of high school coaches will tell you, I got a guy, I got a guy. But I know Michael was a guy that you had said before anybody knew because you actually had an FBS quarterback ahead of him. But you saw something in Michael very early on that that you believed in. What was it in him that you saw that you kind of knew that he was kind of headed on this trajectory? Well, you know, the tough part of what Michael's team was during the pandemic. So it was limited. We knew right away. Um, my associate head coach and defensive coordinator, Justin Winters, has been a big part of what we've done for years in terms of the recruiting process that's helped St. Francis become who we are. And Mike came from a program. He's been around Caleb. And then when you bring him on board, you kind of see the moxie and the, and, and the ability to make plays that's not average or normal for a freshman coming into this type of situation. And in practice, he started showing flashes early. Whether he had the experience or not didn't really matter. He was always trying to put the ball in a tight place and he would make it happen. Um, he would ma make things done. So you knew early he kind of had that it. And you're just trying to figure out what we can do to make sure not only do we develop it, um, but we make sure that we allow him to, to maximize that skill set and that potential. And then, to be honest with you, he was extremely patient. He was a team guy. He knew that he, he might have had a little bit more talent than the guy in front of him. But what he was willing to do was learn. Um, be a team guy again and, and very patient enough when his shot came, he was ready for it. And he didn't mind competing against anybody, which is something that's rare to see in a freshman. Yeah, you know, obviously you touched on a little bit, but leadership and kind of what's above the neck is often just as important as what's below the neck, especially at the quarterback position. I mean, can you just take us into a little bit of kind of about that leadership role and kind of how he's grown and kind of what he brings to that program off the field? Sure. When he was a freshman, he was amongst guys that were alphas in the dorm he was living in. You know, we had Jay Sean Barham and some of those defensive players that weren't a joke. So he got a chance to see what tough looks like and feel like. So a kid coming in the door at 14 years old, going up against Jay Sean and them in the dorm, it, it taught him, OK, this is the type of guy I have to be in order for me to command the team. And that was a good transition. And we brought those freshmen on board 
otherwise wouldn't be because it wasn't that many. There were six of them, and we allowed them to experience what it's like to be all you know on campus, uh, but limited in terms of interaction. But uh, he he saw how it's getting done. He didn't get to do it behind the computer like the average school did in terms of the virtual learning. So that just started to show him what we expected from him. You know, we expect the guy that is committed to a program, but he's committed to himself, his ability to develop, but more importantly, to make guys around him better. Um, and ever since then, it's, it's come into its own. And literally this year, you talked about numbers, but numbers are great, but it's the opportunities that do present himself and we put him in situations and he literally has come back and had defining moments in three out of the, the seven wins or eight wins that we've had. Um, first game of the season, St. Francis is not used to coming back from behind. You know, we always leave from the front. And when we were down in modern day, you know, we, we didn't get a chance to come back. This time in Ohio, I got a chance to see him, you know, make it work. We had no timeouts. He got the ball back. And in the first game of the season, he drove us down and, and did the same thing when we went to Hawaii. You know, we came back and he got the ball again with no timeouts. And, and he was able to drive us down. And he was facing some little bit of hometown cooking. They called the ball back <laughs> three times on penalties. But it didn't really phase him. And he, he completed some passes that the average player would probably struggle doing at the high school level. And he showed me then. And then he did it again this past weekend. We, we had a little setback in the first half, this ball back. Same situation, a minute, 30, 48 four seconds. He drove down with no timeouts and scored a touchdown. So that's, that's, not, that's not what average quarterbacks do um, in terms of the high school level. So when he has that natural ability and he keeps doing that, I think there's greater things ahead for him when he does get an opportunity to get the highest at the bigger level. As you shock you sometimes, I think, uh, hope you don't mind me sharing this, but I think it was a wide game. You said you were, as that game was coming to a close, you wanted to put two or three options on the table uh, in case things didn't work out. He, I think he said he told you, he's like, no, we got this one. I only need just one option and we're going we're gonna to score. Does he kind of surprise you with his confidence and maturity at times? No, that was that was Ohio, not Hawaii. Uh, Ohio. Yeah, he said we needed two plays, and he said I'm gonna score in one, and <laughs> and he ended up tossing that ball, and he knew exactly where it was, and and he got that touchdown. And even this, you know, the biggest thing for me is, you know, there's things that you find out, and right before that drive, he, he, you know, he threw an ill-advised pass, and it was a pick before the last drive in Hawaii. But he said I don't fold, and I'll never forget. He kept saying that. And he said, let me get the ball back. It's over. And that's exactly what happened. And that was a drive and a half. You know, he, again, he had to overcome that. So is it, is it surprised me? Every coach is excited. We hope that they do well. But he, he never ceases to amaze me in terms of his ability. You know, I don't want to tell him too much of that because he's still got some <laughs> games to finish and continue his career. But he does a great job of, of becoming that leader we're looking for, man. You know, that guy we talk about. Yeah, well, I think that's. Uh, was excited, and I think that's why we feel so comfortable making this move. They deserve it because not only because he's talented, but uh, there's a competitive streak. Even at Future 50, we it was just four 23s, and we had a quarterback who couldn't make it, and we reached out, and um, I don't think 10 minutes went by before you called us back and said he would be there. And like you said, it's uh, you know you never want to praise too early, but I think he's shown a maturity that you know. What's most important is I've never met a high school player who's got it all figured out. So as long as they're continuing to work and, and try to get better, and I think he kind of certainly gives that vibe. Absolutely. We, you know, we call him, he's a competitor. I wrote it down every day. I say it doesn't matter when and where, even if he's undermanned against the defense and in, in, in our own practices, he is 
ferocious and he's fierce to wanting to compete. I got to slow him down. You know, he thinks he's bigger than he's stronger than he really is. And we had to call off the dogs tonight. <laughs> but once, you know, he always calls it and we try to keep him safe a little bit. But that's something you can't teach. It's got to be inside of you. It's innate. It's what he's got. We've, we've helped him kind of uh, manage that but along. But the biggest thing that he's done, he's shown it himself that he's a competitor and he's a winner. And those two things go a long way as far as uh, uh, leading a team, not only to a national championship at the high school level, but being capable of trying to do it at the collegiate level. Uh, and the last thing I, I got to leave you with, Michael, is, and I know this show is off the air before you were probably even born, but I'm not going to let this go. <laughs> Have you seen the Seinfeld clip, the Seinfeld episode about the Van Buren boys? Have you seen it yet? Uh, I have not seen it yet. I not, I've been hearing about it. I, I, I need it. Okay, I need to look it up for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, if not, when you get down to the Under Armour game, we're gonna we're gonna watch that episode together. Because uh, <laughs> like I've always said, there's a new leader of the Van Buren boys, and it's Michael Van Buren, uh, now the five-star quarterback at St. Francis Academy. Uh, name to know if you are not already familiar, and for recruiting fans, probably familiar. One to follow on the recruiting trail is still uncommitted, and we'll uh, continue to watch how that unfolds. Good luck with the rest of the season. Congratulations, and we really appreciate the time. Thank you. Coming off a of bye week for the podcast, we've got a few extra notable commitments to discuss today. Starting off in the 2024 class, some of the quarterback pieces coming off the board. We'll start with Julian Sayan out of California, number 34 in the Junior 300, and going up in our uh, soon-to-be-released new Junior 300 rankings. He's committed to Alabama. He picked the tide over Georgia and LSU. He's got an elite Power 5 grade in the UC report. Six one and a half, 185 pounds. You see a little bit of their current quarterback, Bryce Young, in him. But one thing I did notice watching him on film was a little Mac Jones in that both of those guys, and this is kind of crazy to say at this point, but have experience playing under center and have turned their back uh, to the defense, which is not something we often encounter in high school film today. He's also a guy we tracked running 20.1 miles an hour, which is elite at the quarterback position. So even though we have him in that pocket passer group, he can still create when needed. He's productive and he protects the football. He's completed 70% of his attempts in high school, 70 touchdowns to so only eight interceptions. And uh, Alabama now has four commits in the 2024 class, all inside the top 150 in the country. Can I, real quick, just sure. you jog my memory. So the whole quarterback pocket pass or dual threat, like <clears throat> if I had my, it's, We've it's talked quarterback's about it. quarterback. But yeah. so to that point though, like pocket passer means really strong passer. Like if you needed to, you could solely play from the pocket. Doesn't mean that you're a statue or you can't run or you right. can't get second opportunities. On the reverse side, a dual threat does not mean you are a horrible passer. It exactly. just means you are such a tremendous athlete that you are now somebody who can be a factor as a runner as well. So it's really kind of more of a broad, I get question, I get that question a lot. And again, I, a quarterback's a quarterback to me. It, but that's what it means. The pocket passer doesn't mean you, you can't move at all. The dual threat doesn't mean you can't throw. It's and we're, I mean, we're seeing it that at the NFL level, too. Yeah. I mean, the guys who put up the big passing numbers are great athletes, too, move around. They pick up third downs. Yeah. You just late, go so. into that category maybe on where you may be a little bit stronger. Yeah, but what, maybe what you might like to do first. Yeah. Uh, another QB commit in uh, the SEC, and this was an interesting one. Colin Hurley was in the 2025 class. He simultaneously reclassed to 2024 announced his commitment to LSU. He's kind of a shorter, thickly built kid. He's another guy like saying he's got a quick release and a live arm. He's comfortable throwing on the move, capable of changing his release point. 
And one thing I found interesting about him is I was kind of diving in on the UC report. He's only 15 years old. And now comparing that to some of the other the quarterbacks in the 2024 class, uh, Rayola, Lagway, Sain, Carr, Van Buren, Jaden Davis, and Bradford at IMG, they're all 17 years old. Elijah Brown and Dante Reno are already 18 years old. So keep that in mind when you're evaluating the film and looking at Colin Hurley, considering how much development you know, he may have left to go. LSU's off to a hot start in 24. They've got seven commits, and uh, six are in the Junior 300. And a little sneak peek, Hurley will be one of those guys jumping into the Junior 300 with our uh, update coming up later this week. LSU Art also picked up 2023 offensive tackle or offensive lineman DJ Chester, number 193 in the 300. Um, Auburn, Michigan, Florida State, Ole Miss, and Florida A&M were other hats that he had on the table when he made his decision. He's 6'5", 300. He has experience in high school playing both tackle and guard. Um, he's a bit of a mauler at this stage, but he does flash the ability to pull and get out and locate his target. He plays basketball. He throws the shot put. And uh, I think you had an opinion on where you'd like to see him or at least where his upside might be best with that LSU offensive line. Yeah, I mean, I think he'll be an interior player. He's got really strong <laughs> hands, good hand placement, tough to shake once he gets locked on. You're right, he's kind of got a little bit of that Mauler <clears throat> attitude to him. But he's got good knee bend. And he's our third offensive line pickup, second in the ESPN 300. But you think about, too, where LSU is kind of going, year one <laughs> under Brian Kelly, uh, coming off a big win. Seem to be kind of almost maybe even a little bit ahead of schedule with all the turnover they had. But what, if you're an LSU fan, what's really exciting is you got a lot of young players, especially along that offensive line, because you got Will Campbell starting at left tackle. You got Emory Jones starting at right tackle. You got Fitzgerald West, the three star, that's already in the two deep at center. So you got a lot of young offensive linemen. I mean, listen, you think about it, you win from the inside out, you build offensive line. Brian Kelly at Notre Dame in 2017, his offensive line won the Joe Moore Award for yep. the outstanding offensive line. So he knows how important that is. So you look at the pieces that they're putting <clears throat> together for potentially a, a young and what could one day be one of the top offensive lines in the SEC. Some of the hardest pieces to find as you're building a program look like they're already in place for Brian Kelly. Uh, sticking in the SEC, a program that things are not going so great on the field right now, but Texas A&M continues to roll on the trail a little bit with a pickup from uh, 2024 offensive tackle Ashton Funk. He's another guy who's going to be included in our update, the Junior 300. He has a cusp elite power five report in the, EC, in the uh, UC report. 6'7", athletic, aggressive, physical tool, tools. Uh, you know, Craig, you saw him at the Dallas Power Academy this spring, which was a kind of small setting, and you got a, a closer look at him. Yeah, I mean, this is a player who's got a great frame. I, I remember is that, like, you talked about with the quarterback, some who still have some upside. Like, yeah. he's a player that still has a lot of room to yep. physically develop, so maybe just a lot of talent, but still just kind of scratching the surface. But it wasn't all good news for AM on the trail. They lost a commitment from five-star Anthony Hill, who could be headed to the Longhorns, has also visited Alabama, Oklahoma, and USC. Uh, speaking of the Longhorns, they picked up or flipped Colton Vasek in our current ESPN 300. They flipped him from Oklahoma, Clemson, Oregon, Texas Tech, were some other schools uh, that he had been considering or visited. Uh, but again, with the Longhorns, they also lost the commitment from defensive back Jamel Johnson out of that 2023 class. Um, 2024 defensive lineman Kavion Henderson committed to Arkansas. He's number 36 in our current junior 300. Uh, we don't get many max speed readings on defensive linemen, uh, but he had a, a return touchdown that we were able to track him at, and he had an elite measure for that position. Again, maybe not the most important for that position, but an interesting little tidbit for him. 
the rankings on this guy are kind of all over the place. I know, Craig, as you know, you have the final word on our defensive lineman. You're very high on him, and you've seen him the last two years at our Under Armour camps. What are, what are some of the things about him uh, that maybe have you a little higher on him than some others? Yeah, not, well, not only at Under Armour camps, both years at the Atlanta camp, which have the oh, back loaded have been, groups, been right. loaded camps. Yeah. So for him to stand out even uh, in that 2021 uh, group is, is impressive. I think the thing that may be <clears throat> holding him back for some is, like, physical build. Like, he's a little bit of a tweener. Uh, he's got some height, but pro just under 6'2", uh, about 250 pounds. Like, where does his frame go from here? Yeah. What do you Like, I think that's the question with him. But in terms of he plays defensive end, plays stand-up, plays with his hand down. He's got good initial burst, really good power, plays with a good motor, good body control. I think he's one of these players who's a good football player, but I think you you look at him and you go, okay, what is his physical upside and maybe where does he best fit? And that picture is a little bit cloudier. But, again, if you just look at the football player and the way that he's performed at the camps and the way that he plays on film, I think it's a really good pickup by Arkansas. Maybe looking past something that may cast some doubts but looking at the football player in the production. And I think that's probably what Arkansas was, uh, you know, looking at him and interested in him for specifically that reason. Auburn, Cincinnati, Georgia, and Oklahoma were some of the other schools that he had as finalists. He told ESPN's Blake Baumgartner that he picked Arkansas because he thinks he can make an impact there and, you know, continue to help to build what Coach Pittman's doing. Uh, he's their second junior 300 commit along with a big running back, Braylon Russell, out of that class there. Uh, another SEC commitment, the number one team in the country, Georgia, picked up one of the funnest players to watch on film in the 2024 class, Demarcus Riddick. We have him as a linebacker, but he really is a do-it-all, everything type player for his high school team. He plays on the edge. He plays off the line. He rushes the passer. He can cover. He's constantly in opponent's backfield. Even plays a little running back and receiver. He has multiple punt return touchdowns this fall, and uh, I wasn't able to verify this on film, but he punts according to his max prep profile as well. So I don't know if the Bulldogs are going to be asking him uh, yeah. to right. you know, receive that deep do. snap, but that's a versatile player. Uh, he's got an elite power five grade in the UC report, number 43 in the junior 300. And interesting, he's from the state of Alabama, so a nice get from for Georgia uh, going into a rival's territory. One more player that I wanted to touch on, and this wasn't a commitment, it was a decommitment from running back Khalifa Keith, who dropped his pledge to Kentucky. Uh, but I, I wanted to highlight and just give a little credit to that staff there for identifying him. He was the, their first Power 5 offer. We recently tracked him running 20.7 miles an hour at 215 pounds. I mean, this young man is a load to bring down in the open field. Mississippi State, South Carolina, and Tennessee came in with offers this fall. It looks like he could be trending to Knoxville, but uh, an unfortunate loss for Kentucky. But again, uh, it's no surprise to see them where they are year in, year out with the evaluation job they do. Yeah, they do a good job, and sometimes they pay the price for it. I think the big example of that is Mac Jones. They were <laughs> in early on Mac Jones in Alabama, flipped him uh, during that process. So, But under Soup, they've always done a really nice job of evaluating kind of talent, sometimes getting in on early on a guy, and, and then sometimes along the way kind of paying the price. That may be another example uh, there, but yeah, uh, Kentucky's been a pretty consistent, good evaluator and getting on guys before they kind of blow up. Yep. So those are some of the notable commitments we wanted to hit on for the past two weeks. Uh, some of the 2024 QB dominoes starting to fall, as we always know, that's an, that's an early position to go. And with spots, uh, you know, only a few spots remaining in the 2023 class, class is looking to put the finishing touches on that group heading into December. Well, that takes us to the end of another recruiting blitz. 
podcast powered by the UC Report. Again, thank you for all who have joined us. And if you've missed any previous one, uh, past guests include number one player in the 2023 class, Malachi Nelson. Go back anywhere you can find podcasts, Spotify, Apple, uh, and catch up on those. Uh, and we will be back with more next week. We gave a little bit of a preview for the ESPN Junior 300 release that's coming out on the 11th. You can check all that out on ESPN.com, and we will dive a little bit deeper next week. 